0: Welcome to the One in Five of Us podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. I'm your host, Kayla Wood, and today we're sitting down once again with Rev. Louis V. Jones, an ordained minister and certified mental health counselor with a focus on suicide prevention in young adults. Mr. Jones, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you
0: back on the podcast. I know last time um, we just didn't get to cover everything that um, I wanted to cover and you have such a, uh, rich and interesting story that, um, I really wanted to have you back on and, um, really get to hear the rest of it, or at least as much as we can put into an hour, you know what I mean? (laughs) Of course. Um, so, uh, so last time we did cover your mental health journey Um, the IMUR project and um, how being part of the LGBTQ plus community has um, impacted your mental health. Um, So for those who may not have heard the last episode, um, can you just give us a little brief overview of your journey? Just once again, like tell us who you are um, and what you're coming from basically.
1: Well, again, I'm uh, Revlo. Rev. Louis V. Jones. Um, I am an ordained minister. It's kind of a double hit because I was always titled as Rev. Lois Jones before my transitioning and everybody picked up Rev. Low. And so in going in, I wanted to keep it closed since I had already been branded under it. And, and because people didn't really respect me being an ordained minister in LGBT and all that stuff. So I made Rev as in reverent, okay, to issues and stuff that they have to call me rev okay so first name is legally rev okay so and then it's the title um my mental health journey was uh started at age 11 when i found out that i was uh not my uh, mother's child okay my adopted mom's child um and found out that i had been abandoned from my birth mother and I felt that nobody could love me or, you know, I was trash. You know, my other siblings were able to stay I had to leave. Um, it caused issues in friendships because I didn't think my friends could be my friends. And this is Eddie Lake, age 11. Since 11, um, I've had about 23 and possibly more suicide attempts. Um, uh, the I've had very... Uh, critical ones to where I was hospitalized uh, because um, they had to bump my stomach or give me charcoal. I've been pronounced uh, dead twice from suicide attempts. Um, And then decided in my late twenties after taking about 60 clonopins and drinking a bunch of alcohol um, that I needed help. And I went into a program called Baker Places in San Francisco and stayed there for about four months Um, learned how to look at the red flags and to not look at everything in a fist and to, to, you know, take things separately and that not to take it personally. Um, And um, so that kind of stopped the attempts. It doesn't stop the thinking because there are times if you don't um, have the opportunity to heal wholly and um, have a good support system around you and all that, there are times in life that it comes up. Um, So I say from 11 to still now at 59, I struggle with it because there are times, especially where I am in this journey, that I feel like, you know, why fight or um, the world? My family could go on if I'm not here. Um, I won't be a problem, you know, later on. You know, all those different things uh, come up, including the why me. So um, today I still fight with I have to wake up in a good mental space because uh, one trigger could possibly trigger me doing something that could in my life. So it's, it's a daily walk, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, I want to thank you for being so open and honest about um, your journey, because I know this stuff is not easy to talk about, but. Um, like I've said in the previous episode that we did, I think talking about it and even if we hit just one person who might be feeling the same way, we're doing our job. Right. Um, so I do want to ask, um, is there anything that people misunderstand that you wish, or let me rephrase that. Is there, what do you wish that people um, could understand better about, um, suicidality and like being in that mental space
1: i um wish that people would when they hear somebody or see somebody that's uh contemplating suicide that they really do take it seriously. and not listen to the the stigma about oh they just want attention or they're just you know playing with people they say that all the time um you have to be careful because you never know if that's the time that they will actually do it. You know, I've I've been in situations to where somebody has said, I feel suicide, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kill myself. And people have said, Okay, what you wanna do? And they have this plan, and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna help you do it if that's what you want to do, and took it as a joke. And like I said before, this person waited a couple of, you know, tried to get things together and then finally in about a week or so shot themselves in the middle of the street in San Francisco because things still didn't come together. You feel what I'm saying? The support was to help her commit suicide, not help her live. (laughs) So um, and and it is a cry for attention. It's something that's going on inside that's not connecting. It's not gelling. it's a time where people can sit down and say, OK, if this is what, how you're really feeling, if I can't help you, let's go get some help because you need to talk to somebody. It's not to take their hand and help them push them off the bridge. You know, um, we cry for help for everything. People who drink are crying for help. People who do serious drugs are crying for help. So then no, no, suicide is no different than a bad drug, really, to me, because it's something we can reach out and go do. And it, it hurts everybody. I also would like to have people who would to think about uh, attempting suicide, to understand that you might be really taking uh, um, yourself off the equation, but you really also add hurt because at the end of the day when people realize that you were hurt and they didn't come to you, that um, and you do mean something to them and they did love you, all those things that you didn't you didn't hear or didn't want to hear, Are there, and if the person that you expect to say it, don't say it, there are people who will tell you that you are worthy, that you are loved, you know? Um, and, And then we have to find that there are mental health issues with anxiety, traumas, PTSD, and all that, that will bring a heavier depression on, and the people, the person really needs some really intense therapy. So it breaks off from a big tree of of the the action to all the branches that can help keep that tree full, you know? And I know my attempts, I rarely said to people, I'm just going to kill myself. I did minds on my own, and people didn't even know that I was broken inside. So the strong people also, we have to stay in contact with and make sure they're okay because just because you look okay on the outside you could be a crumbling wall on the inside you know but we don't pay attention and that's the new thing is that people start being aware of those they care they love or, or even co-workers you know and i think a lot of a lot of this anger has stopped the suicide on self and is causing people to go out and do these mass killings and and killing you know the lover we have had um I don't know if you get our news. In the last week or so, we've had at least three or four killings where it was double homicide, where the person shot or stabbed the ex-lover or the lover, whatever, and then turned on themselves. That's a person that didn't want to live anymore, didn't want that other person to be, you know, they didn't want, in their mind, I don't want to be without them. I don't want anybody else to have them. But we should have gotten to that one person to save that other life. You feel yeah. me? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of awareness that we need to do around suicide that's not just about where's the hurt. <laughs> you know, the kids are hurting. Let's get to the source of the hurt. Yeah. You know, we all yeah. hurt from something. Let's get to that because we're not just killing ourselves. We're killing each other. You know, mm-hmm. from this this anger. And 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 like I said, the school thing, they say, well, COVID has created this thing where kids are are depressed and, and kill themselves. Well, kids were killing themselves before COVID, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and like I said before, the schools and stuff should not be social services. We need to really take the glasses off, take the gloves off. And really get into our communities and find out how we can fix these broken homes. And if it means take the kid out, take the person out, whatever, let's do that. Not because of money and and trying to break up families, but because we have a serious abuse problem that's causing pain. We don't get that. The people who have the big degrees and stuff that have the button pushing power don't see that. They feel that we have services out there that will, you know, all the person has to do is call 1 800 suicide and they can talk to somebody. Well, if that person in my mind is 6,000 miles away and I'm standing in a freaking bridge in my local town, how are they helping me? Because somebody had already told me, my pastor I just left, told me that God loves me and that everything is going to work out. But in my mind, I'm still sitting in that mess. You feel me? So we need some like, uh, uh, a rapid response teams you know where people volunteer whatever can go when they get a call that somebody is standing on a ledge somebody has a gun in their hand some we just got a call and the kid is really going off and and we just found they want to kill somebody send a qualified team with you you know somebody yeah, that can almost talk like to a that
0: police call right like almost exactly. like exactly but certified mental health professionals i've, exactly. I've heard of Some places have started doing um, similar things where they'll have social workers go out on um, mental health checks with police officers.
1: I think Sacramento, Um, California is one of them because they've had several incidents where uh, police have overreacted, have mm -hmm. killed. There's a couple of lawsuits now where they've actually killed the person. The parent or the person giving care had called because they were having a mental breakdown and they said it. They're having a mental breakdown. And because the person acted combative, they were killed with a mental issue. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think Sacramento has there. They said they have. I haven't seen it, but they're supposed to be taking uh, trained mental health uh, workers with them on those type of calls. So we'll, we'll see, but every, every city needs that, you know, I think that every city needs a rapid response team for not just suicide, but for issues within homes period where they can go in and calm the situation, you know, and they have the backup just in case, or they're trained to carry a weapon like I was, you know, just in case you're in a combative uh, situation. But, they always talk about money and funding and we don't have money for this. There are people out there like me that will jump in the car. You call me, come get me. I'll go mm-hmm. over there and talk to them. You feel what I'm saying? There are people who yeah. are willing to do this for free. And that's what they need to tap in. Let's see how many people are willing to do this for free. Let's see how many off-duty officers are willing to come in and work a couple of hours on, on the crisis line. Let's see you know what we can put together. And they don't do that. You know, um, there are kids that are homeless under these bridges and stuff. They don't deserve to be there, but they have to be because of the situation with the family or whatever. We know people are born into this world every day in dysfunction. And yet we don't set up anything but foster care and children facilities to put them in. And they pray somebody will come and get them. Well, we know after a year old, don't nobody want to be bothered with a teenager. So from two, three years old, when they see other people leaving and they have to stay in this environment and they get pushed out at 18, that's that's a whole lot of time of festering <laughs> without nurturing and balance. You feel what I'm saying? And we keep doing this dysfunction in our society all over, you know, America, wherever. And we keep causing this. And that's why we keep having the high numbers because our system is not creating something new. So we keep having it. You know, I came from a past where um, we think genetically also because my birth mother was a person who committed, tried to commit suicide. Her mother who had mental issues had suicidal attempts. Um, two, Both of my aunts tried to commit suicide. And here I go. Because I'm the oldest of all the grandkids, so um, you know it's, it's something that really, really needs to be looked at instead of an act of of what they call it. Um, you're being uh, um, oh, what is it? Selfish. <laughs> a lot of people have said suicide is a selfish act. That's kind of hard when the person a person is committing suicide is committing suicide because of hurt. You don't commit suicide when you're happy. You don't think about being less or unworthy when you're happy, you know. So um, I think there's a lot of social awareness and change that needs to come about suicide. And and it it is so big. That's why I love the No Labels uh, um, campaign, where they show everybody that gives to the community. Well, they need to have something like that to show the different people and different faces of depression and suicide and how they come together, and what to look for, and that, and have it on there that it's not a joke. You don't laugh at somebody that's trying to kill themselves or thinking about it. That's not funny, you know? So I think all these social awareness things, these ads and stuff need to come up about really to look for. We keep talking about the problem, but I haven't seen anything to address all the, the, the youth suicide you know, issues right now. So I see it on the news, 11-year-old kills herself. 13-year-old boy kills himself. New York is a big thing. They've had several young people committing suicide. You know, it's just it's just something that's everywhere. Why don't we have a campaign about that? Why are we just talking about how bad it's getting, blaming COVID about it? Because right. what happens when COVID is gone and they're still killing themselves? What are we going to blame it on then? Right. You know, right. I said, just take this time. While they're jumping on everything <laughs> and let it be known that there's help out there. There is some people who care and that you are worthy no matter what people say. The other thing i like real quick is, is that we need to have more um, uh, uh, workshops, trainings, whatever for people. There's a lot of self-help things, but we need something that's really direct for uh, people who are feeling uh, down, depressed, suicidal, to be able to tap into whether it's, it's a Zoom, or a podcast about, you know, I love you and you're good, but we have to start feeling what help me is to start feeling good about me. And not caring what other people think and not caring about the labels and not caring about the religious backlash that's going to happen to me and going to hell and all that because of who I love and how I chose to live and stuff. That's the part that we really need to to work with, because if we can strengthen the people who are depressed enough to want to end their life, we can help them help somebody else to show how they walk through. And that's my purpose. Because if I started at 11 and here I'm at 59 and I'm still saying it's an issue, but I don't Mm -hmm. look for those ways to end anymore. You know, even if I wasn't on hospice, I haven't had a suicide attempt since my twenties. Okay. The thoughts have been, but I have not had an attempt. And that's a big fight. That's like a a person who is, is, is seriously ill and can't have a piece of candy. You know, and that candy is sitting there, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Because I know that that's my out. But I also know I have tried some very drastic things that other people have died from, and I'm still freaking here, okay? So there's a purpose. The problem is that other people need to know is that you can survive a suicide attempt, and you can have ramifications from it. People have jumped and broke legs and limbs and became paralyzed and stuff. And they have to live with that Mm -hmm. that decision. Um, I'm fighting today because of the stuff that I took. People have told me that there's gonna come a time to where you're gonna wanna live and God's not gonna let you because you tried to take your life. So I've had to fight with being in hospice Is my organs and stuff breaking down? Did all this come? Because I kept taking the pills to kill myself. I didn't inject the rat poison. And I took the insulin. I put things in my body that are made to break you down that was not for me. And now my body is killing me. My body is actually going to kill me. So I had to fight with that. You know, is this my peace now? Mm -hmm. of, 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 you know, all the things I want to do. And yes, I want to live as long as I can now to get my messages and stuff across, but I'm dying. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if it's because of my suicide attempts. So there are ramifications when you do try. Let's stop at the thought. Mm -hmm. If we can heal people or help people at the thought, numbers would come down. If kids, if when I was in therapy at 13, 14 years old, and tell me when to shut up. When I was in therapy at 13, 14 years old, the therapist told my mom, and I'd had several suicide attempts by then. Um, I was older, so I was looking more dominant, you know, I would dressed androgynous. And the therapist told my mom that I was a walking time mom. Um, and that she needed to stop some of her behaviors and things of yelling. My mom was very, you know, pointing, And you had a three-hour, you know, uh, lecture if you asked about the color of the sun. You know what I'm saying? Very loving. I miss her today. But, you know, that's just how she was when I was growing up. And she came back from that meeting yelling and screaming at me about embarrassing her About telling that, blaming (laughs) her—that I didn't, okay—but blaming her, and that I just basically need to get my s together, (laughs) okay. Wasn't compassionate. Wasn't hey, come on, let's talk. You know, therapist said that some things are going on. What's up with you? You know, it wasn't any of that. And there are African American families and families of color who have sat down with their kids and said, I know you're gay. I know you're lesbian, whatever, you know, it's okay. You know, but there are also the flip side of that religious, especially Baptist or AME churches that you're going straight to hell, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, uh, those things, um, if we can get to that problem of disconnect, Mm -hmm. like I said, and that started for me way back then, and here mm-hmm. I am at 59 still feeling that way or thinking, questioning, could that be from what I did in the past? I think that we can really bring down a lot, but we got to get people to feel good about themselves. Because mm-hmm. what if I do call and the person that's on there is not feeling themselves mm-hmm. today and they say something stupid because <laughs> we're all in mm-hmm. for it. You feel what I'm saying? We yeah, say something exactly. stupid or they don't say what they needed to hear, you know, and they go out and still feel the same way and then dog the, the you know, the health uh, center. Well, if you feel good about you and you don't care what other people say, you don't worry about the things that happen because you're going to figure it out. And that mm-hmm. was my problem. I would let five different things ball up like a manic depressive person. And then my way I was I'm just going to kill myself. I'm going to have to deal with it because I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that wasn't there. So if you got a person that's in your life that's spinning, 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 that's doing this stuff, and, you know, they're talking about, oh, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Check in. Because they might be thinking, I'm going to do all this, blow all my money, because at the end of the day, I'm just going to kill myself.
0: Yeah. And it's not going to matter.
1: No, it's so. not going to matter. And two out yeah. of ten, they really don't. Because when I did that, I really didn't want to try to kill myself. But I had created mm-hmm. all this stuff, this dysfunction, that I mm-hmm. felt that, you know the law, the people, whatever was going to come at me. So the best thing, the only thing I could do is disappear. Yeah, you know, and then I wouldn't have to face it. You know, so mm-hmm. um, we have to really people who do catfishing cat and stuff, you know, they're hiding something, they're disguising themselves, been there, done that, you know. Mm-hmm. So we really have to fix people, and unfortunately, people in LGBT who are going through things really know how to mask <laughs> mm-hmm. and cover up stuff. And that's what we need to, to like I said, this, we need a big social uh, media campaign about it Um and, and just blow it up right now because it's just getting so, so bad and people are so yeah. hurt. And, and, and I have to agree being at home stuck and worried about COVID and all that stuff does not help. It doesn't no. help. It doesn't help at all.
0: No, it's it's we're we're living in such a scary time right now. Like we see it everywhere that this is an unprecedented yeah. time in our history, um, and there are so many populations that are so much more vulnerable. Like when we talk about the youth mental health crisis being impacted by this time in history, when we talk about like LGBTQ plus youth particularly because like a lot of a lot of folks in that population are already not in safe situations. Exactly. And then now compounded with the fact that there's this like global pandemic. Yeah. There's no wonder why these kids are not doing well. Right. And it's so scary and it's it's something that we really have to focus all of our efforts on is making sure that these kids are in a safe space and they have a safe space that they can go to. Um, And I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but that's like really what one in five strives to do is really catch the problem before it starts. Mm -hmm. Um, So bring that awareness to kids before they're even in that crisis situation. um, Because, that's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking yeah, yeah. that this is happening.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I did want to talk a little bit and you've brought this up a little bit so far, um, about your treatment journey. Um, so you've talked a little bit about what therapy was like, um, the treatment facility that you went to in your twenties, um, since then, like, what has your treatment journey looked like, um, throughout your life?
1: Right. Well, um, in my early 20s and after when I went into the program, um, there were I was in San Francisco, um, the Mecca, okay, other than New York. And you would think there was a lot of programs or things. And we're talking about the early 90s, um, late, late 80s, early 90s. So there wasn't too many things going on. It was more of a general programs for people who were depressed. And a lot of them came up because AIDS was a big thing. So a lot of the programs that they have for depression and mental health were based around uh, HIV uh, people and and things like that. So it wasn't about suicide or depression too much. We were thrown in there. Um, So fortunately I was able to have some awesome counselors while I was in Baker House. And um, it, it made me feel better about myself. It brought up my self-esteem. Um, it, it just, you know, we went to different, I was able to go to different outlets and things like that. And it basically allowed my mind and my brain to just um, digress from life, period. Um, I got to a point to where I couldn't even drink coffee because I was so anxious about stuff. I would empty my pockets just where I couldn't find anything. So they would have me put it right on top. I mean, Mental health is serious, you know, and they think that, oh, just, you know, you're depressed, you're suicidal. It's all one ball, you know, so that that part brought on the anxiety. And, and 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 I was also a child that was molested by two different people. So all these things when you grow up and you're trying to fit, I'm a bandit, I was molested. I, You know, all this stuff is like Okay, am I the, the the joke prize of life, and so other people can be successful? Somebody got to be the booby prize, you know. You think about that new show. What is it? Uh, um, where they, they they have to run and they're shooting them. I forgot the new. Uh, oh, it's a it's, a, or it's an Asian uh, new oh, um, show. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, you know <laughs> something like that. You know, it, <laughs> right? It doesn't eliminate you like that. Okay.
0: Right.
1: So. Um, I found that I was, you know, all the therapists that they would put you with were basically interns. So you would have to retell the story every three months. And after about the 15th, when I was like, you know what? I keep going over the beginning. By the time I get to where I am, you got to leave. You know, this is getting stupid. So they hooked me up with this guy. And I don't know if I mentioned Murray Levine uh, in San Francisco. And I'm, I don't know, he's probably passed on because he's an older gentleman The and he was an older a white Jewish gentleman, uh, very cool and hip about, you know, time in, in book uh, um, mental health, I felt. Um, but here I come and I'm this 20 something, uh, you know, out lesbian, very dominant, you know, uh, very open and stuff, talking to him and never held back anything because I really wanted help them to stop this, this cycle. Okay, I really needed to stop it. It was driving my mom crazy, driving me crazy. It was my friends were going crazy. So I really needed to stop the cycle. And uh, um, he said and at the time I was also um, about to graduate from the program. I had started talking to a friend uh, in Las Vegas and um, had escaped a couple of times. I was supposed to and went to Las Vegas. So I was setting up a, a new thing and was going to go there and, and live and work and stuff. And I told Murray about this. And Murray said, well, Lois, I don't see why you would do that because you're going to go there and you're going to you know, start doing cocaine and, you know, getting that fast life with the bright lights and stuff. And that's not going to make it. You're going to end up right back where you are. And I thought, I've never talked to you about cocaine. We've never talked about anything like that. Why would you say something like that? And then his last was, I understand. And it hit me, how can you understand when you are an older, white, straight man, I'm a younger, gay, black woman. How are we hitting anywhere? So it was very important to me, if I'm gonna do this mental health thing, I need to find somebody either a female to understand that part, black to understand that part, gay something, you gotta hit me somewhere to be able to say, you understand where I'm coming from. Murray had never dealt with suicidal tendencies and stuff in himself, So how can you understand a person of them reading about what they've said to to understand where I'm coming from? You can sympathize with me, maybe, you know, but don't tell me you understand, okay? So it was very important for me to find somebody that I can talk to that could really help me. Um, I didn't find that person until about, We've been with Dr. Hunter maybe about six, seven years ago um, through uh, EDD. We found an awesome um, therapist who left that and became private, who still works with us and and our children who have mental, you know, some mental uh, issues because of, I think, genetically or whatever, their birth mother had mental issues. Um, So I'm dealing with a 13-year-old. Who has some mental issues, um, and I just and I and, and and some of those are identity issues and depression. They don't want to say it, but we can see it, and 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 they're on social media. So it's it's a whole it's a big fight even in my home of fear of them finding out how to, or them. You know, I'm really grateful that we've talked, and and because of who I am, they've talked to me about their friends being suicidal. So they do have some awareness about it. They've taken a friend in school in sixth grade to the teacher who was cutting herself. So they are aware of it, but they also are fighting with this dark side. So all my medications and stuff I keep with me (laughs) because I tried that. Uh, We don't have any firearms in the home. I don't do it anymore. Um, So I don't do any type of work that would require that. Um, So we don't have anything um, that I know could be a tool for her. I'm sure these days there are a whole lot of new stuff, um, but we're really watching her and her mental health because she gets in those dark places where she has her room dark, her hoodies on, she's crying, she doesn't want to come out and eat, you know, all those signs. My wife didn't go through those things. So I did. Thank God I can recognize her. You know, and she's aware of it now. But even in my own home, it's dropped down. You know, to where I have to watch it too. So it's important for her to have somebody that could can tap in. And our therapist has children who are crazy. She has a husband who's sick. You know, she's African American. She's spiritual. So we connect in all those different components, and that's what's important. Therapy is good. It's Great when it works. It's like religion and spirituality coming together. It's beautiful when it works together. But people have to be honest, and you have to have a therapist that really understands where you're coming from, or even a support group that understands where you're coming from. You know, everybody say, Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, I got you. And then when you start talking about it, oh, you're talking crazy. Oh, go get a cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? And they brush it off. We need a support group around people that say, no, come on, let's talk. What's going on? Do we need to call the therapist? Let's get the therapist on a three-way. Let's let the therapist, let's let a professional person hear where you really are. Because you really might need to go in to be safe. You know, you really might need to be checked in to be safe. not saying you're crazy, but you really might need to be in a safe place, you know, or come over here. Let's stay at my house for a day. You know, let's watch you. Let's have some fun. And you're really watching that person you know? So um, it's it's, it's been important on my journey to um, remind myself daily that I'm worth, remind myself daily, even in this space, that that I am covered um, by, you know, an infinite power, and that if God wanted me, I could have been gone a long time ago, okay? It didn't have to be uh, um, this issue here of picking into transition and all this, going on that people said, oh, you know, you wouldn't be uh, depressed and crazy and all that if you weren't gay. You wouldn't be sick right now if you hadn't chosen to trans. Well, transing changed saved my life because mm-hmm. they couldn't find what was really going on with me. And had he not punctured my bowels, my bowels could have exploded while I was speaking somewhere or going grocery shopping. So transing actually saved my life. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to hear that, you know. Um, so uh, um, I've had to to re- constantly re- say that I deserve to be here, and I have a message and a purpose. Now, once that purpose and that message is out of my throat, <laughs> then um, I'm looking forward to my journey. I feel that I, I I've earned that, and yeah. I mean, I'm good with it. I'm good with able to help somebody else, not create. A a, a, a a long uh, how can I put it um, way of living thinking that because they committed suicide when they get to a point to where they're on their their road to journey home that this is what they you know deserved or this is where it was supposed to be. No, no, it's not and and, and trust me, there's a lot of of, of uh, unsettled souls from committing suicide. People Mm -hmm. say it's unforgiving. No, it's forgiving, but they don't know how to forgive themselves for the act. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt out there around feeling worthless. So if we know that, let's fix that. You know, how do we empower people? That's what my, I revamped everything and and my ministry is about empowerment. You know, I am, I am, you are, uh, we have it worded as a project, and a humanities empowerment project. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to empower people on how to be, one, self-loving and to have other people love you for who you are. Not what you are, because I can be many things, but love me for who I am, you know, mm-hmm. face value. And that's what we need to turn our, our society, our world into is looking at how people, who they are and what their character is. Because I could be straight. I could be, you know, uh, doing all the things and I could be with a man that beats me, that left me with two or three kids. Uh, my jo- I hate my job. You know, all those different things that can make me feel depressed and worthless. And I'm straight. <laughs> okay. So there's no, there's no, to me, being a human being has nothing to do with uh, who you are. It's all those things because we're born with nothing. So it's all the things that are put in and that we allow to be put into us that creates who we become. So we have people who have become angry, hurt. We know, like I said, children are born in dysfunctional situations every day. That should People that should not have had children don't know what the hell to do with them. And they treat them like crap. You know what I'm saying? We have people that are those who've given life who were hurt themselves. Uh, we have people who wanted to have children just to have a, a, a companion. <laughs> OK, it wasn't even about being a parent, you know, so. And then we have people that are just out there. Having sex, OK, because I can be raw having sex and don't need to be unprotected. You know what I'm saying? So. Those are the things that we have to go in and we can't fix it, but we can sure have a support system for it so that when that child gets into the system, there are some, there's somebody that that system can tap into to go and speak to that child and let them know your, your, your sexuality is okay, <laughs> you'll be protected. You're, uh, um, you're hurting, you're paying from being abused, you're safe now. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to end it now um, for you. And you're going to be protected so you can feel good about yourself. We don't have people on a consistent basis that go in and do that. We're lucky if you're in somewhere in your community or church or whatever, that someone can see that and pull you out and say, hey, you okay today? You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a mass training. There's, you know, anybody wants to be involved That's how I got into it um, with the state Um, doing being a minister. They would come to the church and stuff because we have a community of people and we need to be aware of depression and suicidal stuff because people who are hurt come to church. Okay, they're looking for healing because you say, come, we have healing. (laughs) Come, we can make you better. Come to God. You know, all these things. So we get to hurt people in that building and then they stay. And we preach a, a false preach about condemnation, about judging, about, you know, all the, the, the don't do's when to me. And that's why I left the community should be about uplifting, empowering, taking what was said and putting it today and tell the truth about it. Stop browbeating people on lies. Ninety, some percent of the Bible, the King James Version, the one everybody wants to throw up. Is false. Is parables. Is stories. Is not nothing that really happened. My mother beat that in me until I was thirty-seven and doing, doing, uh, you know, doing my seminary stuff to find that out. And thank God I was under a very uh, open and affirming pastor that was training me to find out the truths and what was in the Bible about LGBT and all that stuff. And here we got parents today that are throwing their kids out of the house at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, and tell them they're going to hell, I I hate you because of who you love. And that's wrong. So we also have to go in and fix the false truth where people have that control to talk to people and tell the real about religion and spirituality and that they're not gonna be condemned and damned and go to hell because they don't love the way society says they're supposed to, or they want to dress different. There are people who aren't gay, but like feminine or, or, or masculine clothing or looks and stuff. But because they throw on a lipstick or because she throws on a tattoo on a neck, all of a sudden they're gay, <laughs> you know? And so we need to have that awareness of, of, of what's, you know, I look and have people, I would just, I, I do just like them. I always say it's the same water. My boat might look different, <laughs> okay? But mm-hmm. I got paddles in that water just like you do. My family has issues just like you do. You feel what I'm saying? My relationship, my job, I go to work, we pay taxes. There's nothing different other than I sleep with the same person that looks like me or mm-hmm. of. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's it. But we separate so much and we label every damn thing in society that everybody now is trying to fit under a label. And when it don't fit, they find something else. And when that doesn't fit, then they throw it on themselves. I can't fit nowhere because you're an individual. You're special. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: how we do that.
0: Yeah. But it's so, it's so important to, to, like you were just saying to recognize like the intersections of all these identities and, and recognizing that not any like no single person has the same experience as another person and so we have to really meet people where they are exactly and meet people with the experiences that they've had and try to empathize as best as we can and do the work to make them feel accepted um, and safe in their yeah. in their positionality I guess yes. Um, Well, Rev, I do have uh, one last question. Um, Yeah, we've got about, I think we have about 15 minutes left. Okay. Um, So, and this one, I love this question. I really like to ask this question um, because I love hearing people's responses to it. Um, If there were no limitations at all, like nothing financially, nothing like in the way of like organizational, governmental, whatever. What would your ideal version of mental health treatment look like?
1: First of all, they would be free. Mm-hmm. We would have facilities for people to go to. We would have uh, open conversations on social media platforms. Mm-hmm. We would have rapid response teams to go out into homes. We would have uh, um, places just set up where, like, uh, uh, I would. It's kind of like a rec center or whatever, where uh, people can go in and and digress, you know. Um, Actually, if there was no financial restrictions and ability, I would open up the spiritual healing center where people can come in and. No matter what faith they were in, and I actually have this drawing, they can go into that room. Is because it's designed Buddhism, whatever. Because they've been ostracized away from that. Okay, some people still have that religious connection because they were raised that way, um, but they can't express it or 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 go because, like in Jehovah's Witness, if you're gay or whatever, they disconnect from it, even your family. Would. But that doesn't mean that they disconnected from that spiritual side of them. So I wanted to create a spiritual center where people can go into these different tranquil rooms and stuff and they can pray and they can become at peace with themselves. They can also be in a community with other people because we would have a, a community uh, um, like coffee house in, inside the building. We would have a, a um charity closet to where you can go in and, and get clothing and you know bring in your old clothing and we support a community of what it's supposed to be like spiritually. And then we have an auditorium in there where we can have guests that come and speak and be awareness and do things to make it awareness so that other people can go out into their communities and take that. You feel what I'm saying? We need healing places and it's not the church. Well there's churches that can become that. But when you say the word church, people go, oh, I don't believe in God, I don't, I don't, you know. And the reason why people don't believe in God is because during their traumas and stuff, they prayed. Because people would say, just pray. And they would ask God to stop it and how I know because I would do that. And it would continue. So, of course, there was a time when I was mad at God because I blamed God for everything. So I think if we have a place that's, that we can become a place without limitations, that we can get into these churches and, and spiritual places and talk to these pastors about, it ain't about the yelling and the screaming and all this stuff. It's about the healing and it's about telling the truth and not condemning people. It's putting funds into retraining, you know, and training people to be able to go out and and, and have vehicles to where they can get to people, you know, Um and a limit. Oh man. I, I, I'm time You said it's just, like I said, it would be free. It would be open. It would be awareness. We would do billboards with affirmations on them, you know, so people can just drive. Oh, they're right. I feel good today. You know, it would be all over the television halftime football. We'd have a mental health commercial going on. It would be so tight and funny with some stars in it that people, cause that's what we got to get. We got to get the stars, the people that these young kids admire In a door, you know, Cardi B to do a mental health uh, uh, quick thing would be awesome. Who's that little kid up there? I forgot. Dodo Dolls, whoever my daughter listens to. Oh, Doja
0: Cat. (laughs) Yeah,
1: all these different people that people, uh, these young people are looking up to. Talk about it. Mm -hmm. Snoop, I love Snoop Dogg. That's on my bucket list too, the smoke. I love Snoop. Um, But for Snoop to talk about do something on mental health with kids. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Because this is who these these kids are imitating. So let's even stop them from talking about, because there's some rappers that use the word depression and suicide and killing folks and stuff. Let's do a mass thing about changing your conversation, your words, because Mm -hmm. people listen to that. And words do have heavy, heavy weight on them. Whether they be kind or hurtful, they hold a lot of weight. And was this is no different somebody says I love you, you you look for that, you expect that what love is feels like. So when somebody says I hate you or you're no good, that's sitting there, also, you know. Mm-hmm. No matter the person, oh, I'm over it, I'm good, I appreciate it, I, I accept your apology, but it's still sitting there. I can remember words that were said to me at three that were hurtful, you know. So if we can get people, those uh, um influencers to start talking. About this problem instead of saying it is, let's just do that. And that's where I'd put my money, you know, and get people to do. I really would. I would love for Bezos and all of them to put a couple hundred thousand in a piece for suicide awareness. Give me a million. You're throwing it up in the space. Can we get a million Mm -hmm. to one in five so we can do a mass. Thing about suicide for these kids, since you care about them so much, you're putting computers, computers, and stuff in schools that ain't nobody at right now. Can you put some money into a program so we can do a mass production about suicide and, and do some affirmations and and put some stuff up so these kids can attach to that instead of mm-hmm. put a hoodie on and go kill somebody. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's unlimited. Oh, we'd have a ball. Okay. Right. <laughs>
0: There's so many, there's so many options, and I love everything that you were saying, um, because re- in reality, it is mostly about just spreading awareness and stopping that stigma and making sure that you know everybody has access to mental health care, and like, it that's that's what my ideal world would look like too. Like yeah. honestly, is just having that access and having that message just yeah. spread as far and wide as possible yeah.
1: um, because a lot of people feel that LGBT people are depressed because they're gay mm-hmm. um, they feel uh, uh, people heavyweight people are depressed because they're fat <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, and and that and, and sometimes when you look deeper it's those issues, mm-hmm that causes depression. It's not the fact that they're fat, it's the stuff behind why they eat, you know, their eating habits or why it might not even be that they eat. It could be a gland problem, it could be a health problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That they're getting teased or bullied about, especially kids, you know? So the awareness needs to start from elementary school to age all the way up because we have hurtful kids and we have hurtful adults. And the awareness that we need to put out is for everybody because if you heal the adult, they can help heal the kids. So we have to stop this cycle somewhere, just like they figured out about the drugs and all that. We have to stop this cycle about suicide. I think if we stop it at a young age, we also raise children who are aware that if it comes up in their adulthood or teenage stuff, they can help somebody else also. Because they know the difference. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Revlo, can I call you Revlo?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, Revlo. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you again, as you always. So. Um, yeah. You are just you have so much um, incredible experience with with life and with the world, and um, your ideas are just amazing. And I know that you're going to go off and do incredible things. And I yeah. really hope that you stay in contact, or well, I will I oh, will yeah. stay in contact as well. Yeah. Um because I can't wait to see all of the incredible things that you continue to do. Um, and as always, just thank you for being so, um, honest with us and vulnerable with us. Um, like I was saying earlier, just even if we can get to one person, um, right. it's so important. It's so important. Um, yeah. like we that's were just actually, saying, spreading that awareness.
1: That's actually my, my thing. My mom had the song, uh, it's called living in vain and mm-hmm. not wanting my life to be lived in vain. So if in the song says, if I can just reach one person, mm-hmm. then I know it wasn't in vain. And that's 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 my goal. If one person and I and and I said I was going to send you the homage from the person that's on my documentary. So mm-hmm. far, I've helped two to cross into their trance without feeling any type of way. So that's been an awesome blessing to me. And they're going to be I, I want them part of my documentary. But yeah. um, but for, they, they're not suicidal. And I say they haven't mm-hmm. thought about it. But there's somebody out there, um, mm-hmm. young or old, that really needs to hear the story. And, and yeah. that's what I have to do as part of my journey is to tell the story of why. And it's not just for the person who's hurting. It's for the person who can help the hurting mm-hmm. also to understand. Absolutely. Except that stigma. <laughs> yeah. But, but if you need me, Kayla, for anything you call
0: me if
1: if your brother or whoever somebody is going through a tough time give me a call Mm -hmm. send me a message I'll talk with them because that's that's the whole that's the whole part of the journey that's what I'm here for
0: absolutely you are a good person through and through I can just feel that from your energy and from everything that we've talked about and i feel truly blessed to have been able to speak with you these past you know when i get my
1: podcast up i'd like for you to be a guest to bring you absolutely
0: (laughs) yes oh my gosh i would love that we'll do a little crossover
1: okay cool 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 well thank you again i greatly appreciate it
0: absolutely thank you so much thank you and warriors to those of you who are listening as always um if you need any additional resources please visit our website at 1n5.org and, and have a fantastic day thank you so much for listening
1: thank you